Wait a minute, wait turn, a minute. On the radio. turn on the radio. My homie got a new show and it's time to play it's it though. To play it I though. hope right. you got in tune. Got he talking bigger business. Big he business. make a lot of moves. Lot of he talking Scott Katoon. I'm saying, wait a minute, wait turn, a minute. On turn on the radio. Hey, cutie pies. Welcome to the Startup Showcase. I'm Shawnee Boy, Sean Fralick, and this is Technori Live on WGN Radio, where Chicago tech founders and entrepreneurs come to share their story. I want to say a quick happy Veterans Day. I got some veterans in the family, and I think most of us out there do. So let's all take a little moment to think about some of the risks, some of the sacrifices they made in their lives to do what they did. Uh, So you can probably tell Scott Katoon is not here today. He is in the Bay Area. He's in San Francisco at Salesforce Dreamforce Expo. And if you want to know what happened there, you can wait till next week when he returns. So I want to say thank you, Scott, for having me on again to host the show. Uh, Some of you, if you're regular listeners, you remember me from the feed segment where I get a little weird, I get a little silly as a way to uh, shed some light on issues in tech and business and how it's shaping things around us. On today's show, I want to focus in on nonprofits. Now, I've had a little experience in nonprofits myself back when I was in a fraternity. Yeah, I was in a fraternity in my college days, and uh, I served up Philly cheesesteak sandwiches at Soldier Field. <clears throat> Excuse me, at Soldier Field, and uh, we raised some money for, for some many causes. But uh, there are roughly 1.5 million nonprofits in this country, and there are around 100,000 in the state of Illinois alone. And these nonprofits, uh, they are responsible for around 10% of U.S. salaries. And about 70% of these nonprofits are funded by individual donors. So these are really important causes that these people are fighting for. And they're hard to run. I mean, most of them are underfunded. A lot of people that uh, work for them are usually handling three to four different job roles. And I know what it's like. I mean, I'm in the startup world, and uh, we're definitely doing a lot with a little money and doing a lot of different jobs for not a whole lot in return. However, there is a lot of gratitude to be felt in working on the front lines of nonprofits. Uh, One story specifically that I want to touch on was in the New York Times, and it was pointing to uh, the fact that over the past 25 years, gun violence and violent crime in the U.S. has been on a downward trend. For the most part, obviously, people point out in uh, here in Chicago and in, as well as uh, Baltimore that over the past few years, uh, violent crime has gone up. However, if you look at the big picture and the trend, it has been a downward trend, and Chicago overall is a safer city than it was 30 years ago. But however, this New York Times story that I'm touching on, uh, the reason is that I, I want to talk about it is because uh, nonprofits are not getting enough recognition for what they do for cities and helping a lot of communities that are often overlooked, communities that are roiled in violence and uh, drug crime and mass incarceration. And Chicago gets a lot of flack for being a focus point in the country for these issues, but nonprofits should get a lot of recognition for putting in a major dent in transforming these neighborhoods, giving these people something to believe in, some dream of a different avenue in life that doesn't include a path into the world of gangs and uh, drug trade, and helping to show that there is so much more to these communities. These are people 
who have skills and abilities that are not being properly given opportunities. So, I mean, we got to give give a hand to these nonprofits that are so often overlooked in the big picture because, you know, there's little money. There's not enough people. So I guess what I'm trying to do right here, people, is to make the case that nonprofits should be getting more money rather than less money. And, you know, I think by and large, a lot of Americans are for these causes. About 25% of Americans have at some point or another uh, volunteered for a nonprofit. And I think most of us can say when we have done it that it is hard work, but being on the front lines, being with the people, getting out of office spaces, getting out of commercial kind of work to do something that is maybe a little more humanitarian, a little more fulfilling for many people. So it's a it's an attract it's an attractive life, and uh, we are going to be talking with uh, Ryan Pollock after the break, who runs the nonprofit T Four Youth, which is a ping pong tournament for tech companies that raises money for the Chicago Tech Academy, and. We will do that after the break. This is WGN 720. I'm Sean Frelick, and we are here live at WGN Studios, and sitting across from me is Ryan Pollock, founder of Tech Consultancy, Objective Paradigm. But here today, he's representing his nonprofit, T4 Youth, which is a table tennis tournament for tech companies to fight for glory and on the behalf of students in Chicago's Tech Academy. So, Ryan, ping pong, what's the story here? Hey, Sean, how are you? Um, well, the gist of it is uh, we've always been playing ping pong uh, at our company and uh, being involved with a lot of technology organizations. We started to recognize that uh, a lot of people like playing ping pong in, in the tech community. Uh, from my own organization, we did a tremendous amount of work uh, for charity uh, and found a lot of outlets uh, to help support with you know, different programs where people were writing resumes or looking for jobs and just giving them tips of the trades, helping them review the resume, doing mock interviews and things like that. Uh, and when the people in the company got involved, uh, we started to recognize that uh, they enjoyed doing it. They were being impactful. We were helping out the community, which is always big. Um, and being an entrepreneur, I always uh, kind of like running uh, things myself. So we started a charity that is a ping pong tournament uh, that it is the benef- uh, that benefits the Chicago Tech Academy. Yeah, and I want to point out that Ryan is not here alone today. He brought along his uh, seven-year-old daughter, Kennedy. And uh, I think Kennedy just wanted to say hello quick on the radio here. Hi. <laughs> Very cool. So uh, obviously working with kids is important. Uh, so why was the Chicago Tech Academy uh, an attractive partner for you? Well, one of the biggest benefits of the charity, aside from raising money, is that it creates visibility for a school uh, that is, you know, looking to get noticed. Uh, the school itself has been around um, for over six or seven years now, and there's about, uh, I guess there's kids coming from about 30 different zip codes. It's a chapter school, um, uh, contract school, uh, and, you know, there's about a half a million dollars uh, in a gap between what the school needs to run and how much money they have from a funding perspective. So obviously uh, we want to, you know, try and draw funds to the school, but uh, the other actual benefit of, of this is that, you know, we're introducing a phenomenal group of, of kids that are choosing to go to this school, that are overcoming tremendous obstacles at home, whether it be 14% of them are homeless, and I think um, 90, over 90% are African-American or Hispanic. And, you know, the, they're seeing 
um, not much opportunity where they where they live. And now they come to this school, they seek out an education that's focused uh, on on STEM. You know, that's basically teaching them through project based learning how to engage technology, how to be entrepreneurial, how to prepare themselves for a digital world. And I think the biggest thing that you can think about. Um, it's just how the school, through the project-based learning and through the real uh, workforce pro- programs, is resetting the expectations, putting themselves in a place where they can envision, you know, not getting an hourly job after they graduate high school, but preparing themselves and doing the work uh, to potentially get into a college, to get a four-year degree, to learn about technology and see all that's available. And the charity is an amazing way to draw visibility into the school. We bring in some of the leaders of all these organizations that participate uh, we're going to have, uh, I think, 48 teams playing on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, we'll have over 400 people at this event. It's absolutely phenomenal. There's a huge competitive aspect of it, but obviously the Chicago tech community has always been extremely generous, and they love participating in this. But even more so, you know, we connect with these companies. We you know, get to show them the school. Some of them come in and give talks to the students and inspire them about what yeah. they can do. Uh, and it's just a really good platform that connects well that just works. Yeah, that's the part of it uh, that you mentioned that I want to – you know, echo a little bit more is just giving these students something more to dream about because that's so often the issue is that they can't really see themselves out of their neighborhoods. So showing them a path into something bigger, I think, makes a huge difference. So you've been doing the tournament. Is this the second year? Actually, it's this will be our fourth year. Fourth year. Okay. Yeah, so we, we started with 20 teams and it's grown in the people that help put it together the you know the folks that essentially run the event uh, uh three points communications is a pr firm that we work with that puts it on and then uh sbr companies is a consulting firm that we work with that helps put it on yeah so what's what's the atmosphere like how do these uh techies get once the tournament gets rolling it's competitive you know the, the thing that we have to make sure of is is a reminding everybody that it's you know a charity uh but we take a lot of care uh rajiv sharma who's got his own ping pong company now. It helps us run the tournament. He's a ping pong pro, and he's a stickler for making sure the rules are right. And it's what you need. So we, we make it a fair tournament. We let everybody get enough playing time. There's a round-robin event, and then it cycles into you know a, a single elimination tournament of 16. Uh, and it's something that uh, basically we ensure the integrity of the event. Uh, we put rules in place to make sure that somebody that has like one great ping pong player or two can't necessarily dominate it. And you know everybody has a lot of fun. And there's some companies which I love seeing. You know, they think that they're good at ping pong. They mm-hmm. show up and then they just get wiped out. And the level of people and the talent that's at this tournament is huge and or is significant. And there's some really good players. And it gets extremely competitive. Yeah. I think, uh, last year, uh, Google and Enova were in the finals, and Enova won. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, how much money have you guys raised over the past three years? Uh, in total, we've raised over three hundred thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. But you know, the first year was just basically getting the visibility and begging and borrowing all of our clients to participate. Yeah. We got it up to twenty, and then the momentum started to build. Now we're selling sponsorships for more money. Uh, the raffle. If you're going to this event and you pay fifty dollars, first off, you know, just to be a spectator, you're getting free booze, uh, free food. A great environment, great atmosphere. A lot of people that are, you know, obviously uh, putting money towards a great cause. There's an insane raffle. There's like 27 or 28 items, including floor seats to uh, the Bulls and different hockey seats and, you know, all these different things from the ballet to Harris Theater. Uh, amazing opportunities to get involved with, a, you know, to give and, and potentially win something too. Yeah, uh, it sounds like you packed it full of incentives. So what are some of the things you learned over the past three years that are needed to uh, build up an event that, Brings in the amount of money that you brought in, sure. the amount of people you brought in. How'd you do it? Um, I did it with a lot of help. 
You know, I think the first thing, it's funny because after the first year, and we only, uh, we raised $25,000, and if we got the $25,000, there was the match. And then we had a match where we raised $50,000 the first year. Uh, the second year, they helped us and said, who's your sponsors? And I was like, sponsors? What do you mean sponsors? And they said, well, you got to get sponsors. And then we started realizing that we could, ha- you know, promote the event. And as it grew, we got sponsors. So I learned that. But um, the people that have helped to put this event on, uh, I have to give a shout-out to Christy Gazelli. Uh, and Dana Stoller from my company, who worked tremendously hard uh, to put this thing on. It's like a second job. You know, Trisha Degg from the ITA yeah. has been working nonstop. We also have a C-level challenge. So in this event, uh, a bunch of CEOs, CTOs, and executives play in a smaller tournament, and that's a big draw for it as well. So you learn to bring things into the tournament that are exciting, that are fun, that keep it flowing, that get people interested. Yeah. Uh, so with that $300,000, what are some of the things that that, that money goes sure. into? Well, you know, I'd love to say that, you know, they have the most cutting edge, you know, software equipment or computer systems or, you know, different types of, uh, you know, tools to help them do the work. But the reality is, is that this money is going to help bridge a gap between, you know, the money that the the state provides, you know, based off of the enrollment of the student and what's provided to run uh, the school and what the budget is to just run the school. There's a significant fundraising. I also sit on the board of, uh, you know, directors over at ChiTech. Uh, there's a lot of challenges just to basically meet the budget. Uh, so these are operational costs, you know, just basically, I don't want to say to keep the lights on. The lights are fine and they'll be on. Yeah. Uh, but it basically helps them run an effective program and do the types of things that they need to do to give these kids the advantages that they need and to work with them. As I'm sure you can imagine, there's a lot of kids that have individual problems, just like any high school. You know, there's a lot of right. situations that you have to work overtime towards uh, to help not only, you know, with their schooling, but with their family lives. Um, so the money here is, is is there to run this. Yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, thanks a lot. This sounds really exciting. I believe the tournament is going to be the 15th or the 17th, correct? It'll be this Wednesday, the 15th. Um, if, if there are, uh, you know, for all the tech companies that are out there uh, listening, we do have uh, a couple spots left. And uh, please uh, come and join us. All right. Well, Ryan and Kennedy, thanks so much for stopping in. And we look forward to uh, seeing who wins this year. So we're going to go to a break quick, and you're listening to WGN 720. I'm Sean Fralick. Wait a minute, turn on the radio. My homie got a new show, and it's time to play it. I hope you got in tune. We're still alive and kicking here on the Startup Showcase. I'm Sean Fralick filling in for Scott Katoon, and you're listening to Technori Live from WGN Radio, where Chicago's tech founders and entrepreneurs come to share their story. I'm excited because I get to talk a little bit about how I am a music junkie, mostly a fan and listener. However, I did have years of guitar under my belt, and I am speaking in the past tense, unfortunately, because I have been rusty over the past three years. But there are startups out there that recognize this issue and want to give people an incentive to get back on the stool and pick up their instrument and play a little. I'm sitting across from Sam Walder. He is the founder of Trala, an app that helps you play the violin, but it soon will be doing more than that. How are you doing today, Sam? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I have a real quick question. Was that Scott rapping? No. Uh, <laughs> that, that's a startup called Songfinch, and uh, they make songs, pre-made uh, original songs for people, and no. <laughs> I, I'd love to hear Scott rap, though. However, so time. tell us what Trala is and uh, how you got to creating it. Absolutely. Trala is an app which listens to you play your real instrument, gives you instant feedback on what you're playing, so it tells you what mistakes you're making and helps you correct them. 
and keeps you motivated so you can learn at a rapid pace and not quit your instrument. Because statistically speaking, if you pick up an instrument, just like you did, mm-hmm. you're going to quit. Yeah. So who is this made for? I mean, can someone who has never picked up a guitar or a violin get started on this app? Some people have tried. Uh, it's mostly for people who already have a little bit of experience, right? They've, they can read sheet music. They know how to follow a melody. Um, but it really takes you from that beginner level and accelerates you to an advanced level really quickly. Yeah, so what's your history with music personally? I was really jealous of my brother. I was oh, yeah. four years old. There's a photo of me holding a, uh, a cardboard and rubber band violin that I made because huh. I wanted to be like him. Um, and now, 18 years later, I still play every day, take lessons, love playing. And you play what every day? Oh, violin. I yeah. play violin, learned a couple other instruments in the meantime. But uh, my main instrument is violin. Okay, so why? It's interesting to me because in my personal stratosphere, in my little bubble, the violin is very foreign. So, uh, I mean, what turned your brother onto it? Was it a family thing? Was it a personal interest? What was it? That's a really good question. I think people pick up instruments for different reasons. The violin itself is seen as kind of the most beautiful, romantic instrument. It's the highest quality. You know, it's... It's the best instrument that you can pick up. So I think you made a good decision. Yeah. And let's go back to the formation of Tralla. And this all started at back at U of I, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So how, what, was the origin, what was the original place for this? Yeah. So I studied computer engineering and Vishnu, my co-founder, studied computer science. So we had this really technical background and we realized that all the CS bros and the computer engineering people, they just they didn't get it, right? They they focused on this on um, you know this technical computational stuff, uh, but we were really into the humanities. You know, we enjoy art and we go to concerts and we care about music and musicians. So we thought, you know, how can we combine the best technology with the pain of learning an instrument? in order to solve this huge problem of, of practice because it's terrible. You know, the, how many students cry every day or fight with their parents over an instrument? I mean, it's supposed to be something that we enjoy, right? Music is this deep human experience, but it's just being wrecked for millions of people. So we thought, let's, you know, let's throw tech on it and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, responsible and appropriate technology yeah so how did you and your uh partner i mean how how long has trala been around so we've been working on it for about a year and a half okay yeah and yeah and uh who developed the app how'd you go about doing it so we went around and we talked to hundreds of musicians educators um performers, students, teachers, parents, everybody involved in the space. And we basically asked them, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Um, because we understood that we're pretty dumb. We didn't know what to make, right? So we let everybody else uh, tell dumb us. college kids, <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Um, we're just in our dorm room, right? We don't uh-huh. know what to do. So yeah. we reach out to people at Juilliard, and they tell us what to do. And then we make it. That was That's the whole story right there. Wow. So what did Juilliard tell you? Who did you reach out to? Yeah. So um, reach out to a couple professors there. Reach out to people at the University of Illinois as well, where we went to school. Um, 
And they said that 90% of practice time is wasted. Mm. Don't practice mindfully. You don't even get better. You're 90%. spending all this 90%, right? Yeah. Crazy. Okay. So, what you should do is practice in this very specific method. And that's what Trala takes you through. You open the app, right? It's an app that you can download right now from the App Store. It's free right now. Okay. Will not be free for very long. So, get on that. Yes. Um, and it takes you right through the optimal practice session. Okay. So you practice for 20 minutes. We have this very specific method that's really easy to follow. And in 20 minutes, you've gotten much better. So the end result here is that students who practice with Trala, and this is adult learners as well, not just kids. People who practice with Trala will learn pieces twice as fast, but they can practice half as much. Yeah. See, my uh, training for guitar included just sitting in front of the TV and just mindlessly going through my uh, lesson for that day, whether it be different uh, guitar techniques or chords or songs, and just like hoping that the back of my brain would like memorize it. And I don't know, that kind of worked to a degree. Uh, what was your personal history of learning the violin? Who, who were some on. of your teachers? You, you practice while watching TV? Yes, that's, that's a revelation, isn't it? <laughs> I... I that was my personal time. I did have one-on-one lessons every week for an hour, and then I would take what I took from that lesson, and then I would go to the couch, and I would just practice for like an hour a day. That's pretty good. If you yeah. spent an hour in a day, I'm sure you got pretty good in three years. And here's the thing. Yes. A lot of people, they practice by going on YouTube and then pulling yeah. open a video and then following along with that video, which is not bad, right? Um, and it's free, which is great um, because lessons are super expensive. Right. Um, which is a big barrier to entry. I mean, you're talking about um, uh, nonprofits, right? Yes. And there's there's definitely this aspect to Trala where we want to expand the reach of music, right? We want to help more people access their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was the question? Well, I wanted to know uh, how you learned the violin oh, sure. and maybe what were some of the gaps retrospectively looking back that you thought like you know what music education yeah. needs this and this oh, i sucked at practicing oh yeah i would lie so much oh yeah. this is a, a question i love to ask students is how often do you lie to your teacher oh it's all the time yeah right? so you weren't putting in as much time as you needed to no no but i loved it yeah right i loved playing i hated practicing right passion's not enough right yeah as you, we you need some drive out. as well mm-hmm. right so I mean, what, what, how serious about violin were you? Did you go to concerts? Did you travel? Were you part of the school band? Uh, no. Like I, I was part of the school orchestra. I just kind of played nothing special, right? I, I was not a great player. Okay. Um, whenever I had a chance, I would play with people, but uh, mainly I, I just sucked. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess you're a perfect case study for the Trala app. Now I'm good because I have the tools. Yes. And we're going to give more people those tools. So, um, you know, what? I want to say that, you know, the reason I know Sam is because we are we used to be neighbors at Tech Nexus. And full disclosure, he and his team brought us over donuts. But, hey. I, <laughs> no, I, I, the, 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 like, we brought you over donuts, but you weren't there that we morning. There so that we day. ate all the donuts and then we got sick. <laughs> well. Next time. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, Tech Nexus is a great space, and uh, we appreciated the gesture. Uh, so, before we go, where can people go to learn more about Trala? 
Uh, they can go to trollaapp.com. That's T-R-A-L-A app.com or search Trolla on the App Store. You can download it today. All right. Thanks so much, Sam. Thank you very much for having me on. All right. We're going to go to break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about some tech news. This is WGN 720. Welcome back, lovebirds, to the Startup Showcase. I'm again Sean Fralick, filling in for Scott Katoon this week. And I hope you enjoyed the show so far. I think uh, Ryan represents someone who's been a veteran of Chicago Tech for the past 10 years and looking for ways to give back. And on the flip side, Sam is one of the newcomers to the stage over at TechNexus, where I also work out of, and trying to bring that hustler mentality and bring his app to life. So it's cool to see the different side of things. But I'm going to pull back the lens a little bit now for the last portion of the show to fill you in on some of the big stories that have been happening around Chicago Tech. Uh, The first one I want to talk about is Outcome Health. This is one of the most successful Chicago startups uh, known as a unicorn for the millions that they have been able to raise, Uh, more than 500. However, they are caught in a major controversy. And to catch you up to speed, the story started when it was revealed that Outcome Health was fudging the numbers. So what they do is they create these nice LED screens that are uh, touch sensitive, and they go inside doctors' waiting rooms and doctors' offices. And on one side, uh, gives a doctor an opportunity to show and show some 3D models that will help explain to the patients what's going on with their bodies and on the other side it's an opportunity for ads and this is where the trouble began so outcome had said in their reports that they were selling their screens to more hospitals than what was actually true and because of this they were able to charge advertisers more money so they got caught doing this the two founders of the company uh fired a couple employees or rather laid them off i'm not sure if they were actually fired but uh put them on paid leave and after that investors began suing outcome health saying they want the funds frozen alphabet the google parent company and goldman sachs want 225 million dollars frozen because they believe that outcome had engaged in some fraudulent behavior. And we don't know how much the founders knew about this, but things are really bad. And even on a federal level, the Department of Justice uh, dropped subpoenas on the investors. Now they have to go and appear in court to talk about this whole case. So this is a, a really ugly situation for what was one of what was one of the bright spots in Chicago tech. So, I mean, I'd be interested to know what you people think about whether or not uh, – Outcome Health should be given the benefit of the doubt, especially the founders, and say, like, hey, these are growing pains. We want to do better. Should they be given a second chance, or is it time to pull the plug on Outcome Health? As always, we want to hear from you. You can reach out on Facebook and Twitter at Technori or DM me directly at Freilichshawn. Uh So that's one big story. Another one I want to talk about I found in Psychology Today and it was a study done at UC uh, San Diego, and it's about cell phone usage. So I'm going to make you a little uncomfortable here when I tell you about how much you use your smartphone, but the numbers break down like this. So 80 times a day you're looking at your phone, 2,400 times a month, and 30,000 times a year. Ooh. 
makes you want to go for a walk outside, uh, especially today. You know, I like this this snowy stuff, so I've been walking around in it this morning. So why not give it a try? I mean, it's Saturday afternoon. You shouldn't be listening to me for too long. Anyways, UC San Diego, they did a study on their students and sat them down for a standardized test. Okay, so that's part one. And what they changed with the students is how close their cell phone was to their persons as they took the test. And the results came back, maybe not too shocking, but it was discovered that the closer the phone was to the student, the lower they scored on the test. Well, so obviously, I mean, that just says their smartphones are a distraction. We're often multitasking, at least I am. I know back when I was in uh, even late into high school and into college, like my phone, I was always thinking about it. And obviously that takes my mind off the task at hand. But, I mean, sometimes when you're taking a test, you want to have your mind go elsewhere and escape that place. So maybe something to think about, some hard numbers when it comes to how much we use our phones. So I also want to point out that – since we had uh, Ryan's daughter, Kennedy, in here, it might be good to talk about Girls Who Code. They're an organization that has helped thousands of girls get into coding and uh, STEM education. Uh, women only make up 25% of these tech jobs, and obviously we can spend hours talking about why that is. But one of the big reasons is young girls are often encouraged to take different paths in life, even if it's not necessarily what they want. So Girls Who Code is an organization who... Let's girls know that, hey, it's cool to code. You can try it. You can do it. You can be with the boys, and you can beat the boys. I'm all for that kind of mentality. So uh, the reason they're making news is that they are expanding uh, specifically to DePaul University. They are going to have a a summer coding program that's going to last, I believe, uh, two weeks. And you can sign up your kids, or if you... Know a young girl in your family or through your social networks who might be interested in coding. This is a cool program that DePaul will be offering for them. So uh, let's talk a little bit about money now. Why don't we? So uh, Bears fans out there, this might be an interesting story for you. Uh, First off, you think the Bears are going to make the playoffs this year? Uh, I'm not holding out hope for that. I think we need a lot of changes made to that organization Hey, that's that's just one opinion from a lukewarm football fan. All, anyways, is football going to be on the TV this Thanksgiving? I don't know if it's too contentious or not. Maybe it's better to turn it off and maybe find something on TNT, some classic movie that people can gather around and not get into a hot political debate. Anyways, I'm getting a little off track here, so I just want to point out how uh, Bear cornerback uh, Prince Amu Kamara uh, – he invested a lot of money in a startup called Open Doors, and this is an app meant specifically for athletes. And if they want to do branded content like uh, on Instagram or Twitter, this is a platform that helps them meet with different brands. And it, I, I think the reason, well, it's clear the reason why uh, Amu Kamara uh, donated to this is that it was invented at his alma mater, Nebraska. And they have an office out here in Chicago. So to any people out there looking for investment, looking for a way to – or looking to certain people for you know some funds to help get your dreams started, why not look at your university and look at who there in the sports program is a professional athlete today and be like, you know what? 
we need a public figure, we need a public uh, endorsement, why not reach out to the athletes at your schools and maybe they will give you a shout out on Twitter. It's all about community help here, people. So uh, I want to touch on Twitter. Uh, Amy Guth was talking about this in the previous show, but they've been getting a lot of flack about how and how not they police tweets on there. There's been a lot of uh, hot arguments on Twitter about who needs to get blocked, who needs to be suspended, which tweets need to be uh, addressed, and which do not. So uh, CEO Jack Dorsey, he responded to the debate about whether or not Trump should be banned. And Dorsey says his company makes a subjective decision based upon the public interest. And I, I believe that you know it's in the public's interest to allow President President Trump to keep using his Twitter because it affects all of our lives. And here's the thing where I disagree with Dorsey. Dorsey said that he holds everyone on Twitter to the same standard, and I say fooey to that. You could find many case studies where one person gets suspended, another person's doing essentially the same thing and gets a free pass. So this is not something that is going to go away in terms of argument. Twitter disrupted the world and plays a central role in our government now. And we don't know where it's headed, so scary stuff, folks. Uh, But I don't want to scare you. I I hope that there was some grain of inspiration that you could pull from this hour, something that'll put a little pep in your step as you head into the next week, wanting to make some change, wanting to just help out others and do your job and have some meaning in your work. So it was lovely spending this hour with you folks. Um, you can find this episode later on WGNRadio.com. You can download our Technori podcast on iTunes and learn about Chicago Tech and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Technori or follow me at Freilich Sean. We're going to have gubernatorial candidate J.B. Pritzker on the podcast later this week. But for now, stick a fork in me. I'm cooked. This is WGN 720. Chicago's political conversation, The Sunday Spin. A federal court has blocked the Trump administration from denying grant funds to sanctuary cities. But the case is still active, and it could have an effect on suburban police departments. Plus, we'll talk about Governor Rauner's recent visit to Israel with Israel's Consul General in Chicago. The Sunday Spin with Chicago Tribune political reporter Rick Pearson. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 720 WGN. Grab your best friend or two. And hurry into Catherine's Plus Sizes for the best of fall sale. Now through Sunday, November 12th, save 40% on our best sweaters, coats, and boots. Saving on a fabulous fall look couldn't be easier. Because you'll also save 25% off more great styles throughout the store. It's the best of fall sale at Catherine's Plus Sizes. Now through Sunday only. Exclusions apply. See Catherine's or Catherine's.com for details. Catherine's. We fit you beautifully. One size fits all has no place in your bedroom. Hi, I'm Christian von Rickenbach, founder of Helix Sleep, and we know one mattress can't work for everyone. That's why we created the only mattress built for you. Go to helixsleep.com, take our two-minute sleep quiz, and we'll build your custom mattress and ship it to you for free. Try it for 100 nights, and if it's not the best sleep you've ever had, we'll pick it up and give you your money back. Go to helixsleep.com slash talk radio right now, and we'll give you $50 towards your custom mattress. That's helixsleep.com slash talk radio click on waltzfoods.com for this week's specials find out what you can save every week when you go to waltzfoods.com waltz 
a tradition of grocery excellence for 80 years. The IRS doesn't mess around. They can take your paycheck and bank accounts, too. Even threaten your home or business. If you owe back taxes, call Optima Tax Relief. Optima has access to a special IRS program called the Fresh Start Initiative. And their clients that qualify are saving thousands, even tens of thousands. Optima is A-rated with the Better Business Bureau. Don't delay. Call now for your free consultation. Call 800-364-9188. 800-364-9188. Optima Tax Relief. Morning, Jim. Want to try a new mocha latte chino? Just a coffee. Why's everything got to be so complicated? Like those new smart meters. That's not complicated. ComEd smart meters give you access to more online tools and programs. They put you in control of your energy use so you can save a little or a lot. Tay. Ah, I get it. Make that coffee a large. No latte. That's smarter power made simple. Learn more at comet.com slash smart meter. ComEd, powering life.